at you like you're crazy because I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, she just told me like, I don't mean that's your wife. Well, guess what? <laughs> I was the one crazy for looking at you crazy for saying that. <laughs> Let's go. Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business, your business, business. What's up, what's up, good people? Welcome into Montgomery and Company. I'm Renee Montgomery, and listen, we got Angel McCautry on today, and you guys probably heard a little bit of the conversation yesterday, but I call her Cuzzo. That's my dog. I played with her before, and you don't really realize how much history you have with somebody because while it's happening, you're not talking about it. Then usually right after it happens, you're still not talking about it. Well, we talk about it, though, because we played together in our championship game our senior year. We were the same draft class. She was with me when I met my wife. I mean, just a lot of history. Also, she got a lot of business. She's doing a lot of things, and I love to see athletes turn up. Athlete entrepreneurs, get used to it. We're here now. Let's go! You've been killing it, all right? You have a new EP, Evolution, that just dropped. Congratulations. Y'all can get it exclusively on Automac. Talk to me about that. Like, you just dropped one, and now you're back with another one. Yeah, you know what? The music has been doing really well. The strings has been doing well. Um, I've gotten great feedback. So I just wanted to keep it coming, you know, just keep it fresh. And, um, you know, I got some great... Uh, streaming platforms that are messing with the music. So it's been really cool. That's dope. And so you were also the first WNBA player to have a song on NBA 2K. So like when you're writing music, like what do you do? Is it the same type of vibe you get in when you're about to go hoop or play in a game? Like how do you get in the right headspace to write music? You know what? It's actually a therapy. So it's actually a, a good outlet outside of the game. Cause you know, basketball is so intense. You know, you got the fans, you're in the moment. But like writing music, it just takes you to another place. So I would say they're like two different entities. Of course, I haven't done any live shows yet. I would probably say a live show would be probably be like more like playing basketball with fans around and people yelling and screaming. So, but the music is therapy. It's really fun to create something from scratch and then see it come to life. No, that's dope. So you mentioned live shows. So what kind of show do you think you're going to put on? Like, what kind of performer are you going to be? Like, it's not like you can't perform in front of a crowd. You played in front of millions of people before. So this is interesting to me. Like, what kind of performer do you think you'll be? That's really interesting. If I had to try to compare, I love how Rihanna does it, how she dances and her energy. And I just loved her halftime performance at Super Bowl. So I would love to keep the crowd entertained in that kind of way. But I would say that I wouldn't do any shows until I retire from basketball. So I'm not fully retired yet. I've still got a lot of years left because I would save these knees uh, until I retire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jumping up and down on these knees and then playing basketball. So I would save shows for after the retirement. <laughs> All right. So after you retire, you're going to move on to another live performance. That's live shows, but wait the knees, save the mega knees first. All right. So just one more. I know you're, you know, you're still hooping and we're going to get to hoop questions in a little bit, but what is it like when you just randomly hear your song somewhere? Like, has that happened to you? What is that moment like? No, it was so cool. So my sister, um, she was in Ghana cause she's a married to a Ghanaian. So they went to go visit Ghana where he's from and she walked past somebody in Africa and they heard the song. She was like, wait. She's like, let me hear that. She's like, that's my sister. She was like, how did you know about that? He's like, I just like the song and I downloaded it. So like stuff like that is like a really, really good feeling. It's really, really cool because like, let's keep it real, Renee. 
people don't take athletes who do music serious. You get what I'm saying? Facts. Yeah. <laughs> no, for I mean, you're not lying. So it's good to have people like take it seriously and really listen because you know you hear athlete doing music, it's like oh here they go. You know, you get that stigma. That's interesting, though. I'm glad you brought that up because I think I saw that was one of your biggest challenges in music. You would think it would be like learning how the music game is, learning how to write, learning this. It was not the like the thing you said was your biggest challenge was getting people to take you as a two time Olympian serious in the music game. And so can you talk about that? Because we have like Damian Lillard, we know that he raps and Mon Shumpert, we know he does music. So Lou Will does music. We're starting to see a lot more athletes show their talents. Yeah, because people just have this tunnel vision of you. When you're successful at one thing, they just think you just that one thing, right? So like, let's use like Will Smith, for example, he was a rapper, but then he became an actor. Like, you know, they do many different things. So I think you know, people just got to get out of that tunnel vision of you and say, okay, that, that person wants to do this. Let's give it a chance. And, you know, people are so quick to just be like, no, nah, you just need to stick to basketball. You're a basketball player. But others have done me. Like you said, Damian Lillard has a great album, Lou Will. And I think too, like, I think with the stigma, we've had some guys that have done it in the past and maybe people didn't receive it very well. But I think now, like we're at a place where, you know, you can have a great music team around you and, and really give the audience what they want. That makes sense. That's dope. So, Cuzzo, this is crazy because it's like we really were teammates. So it's, it's dope to see everything you're doing. Who would be a feature you wanted? Like if you had a dream feature on one of your albums, who would you get? If I had to go with a female, I'm going to go with Lauren Hill because she's just so deep. Okay. Come on now. You know, we got to go rock with Lauren because she always got a dope message. And if I had to go with a guy, I'm going to go with J. Cole. I just like Ooh. deep. Or Chance the Rapper. I like positivity, deepness in the music. Because, of course, um, I'm not saying people sound the same, but we do hear a lot of the same reciprocated messages, clubs and throwing money and all of that kind of stuff. Like, you, we want to get back to giving, like, the kids a, a, a message. Like, you know, what are they going through? How do they inspire to be better? So I think that's what my music is like. My music is relating to, you know, a lot of the youth going through um, in adversity and sports you know, in life. And, and that's what they need to relate to. Role models. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Like y'all got to check it out. Check out her EP for real. You can hear now why you have a management company, Legacy, correct? And it's, you talked about motivation and you talked about that next gen. And this is an all female sports and entertainment company that launched in January, right? So you're doing things, Cuzzo. Talk to me. It was more so because, you know, I, I feel like number one, living here in Atlanta so long, I got to connect with a lot of people, um, a lot of people in the um, production world, um, in the entertainment world. This is obviously an entertainment city. So with having those con connections, I said, you know, we got to do more to empower women and to continue to lift each other up. I just felt like, you know, we got to do more of that. And what can we do to continue to use our network to help connections? So the management company is basically to help bring different connections to different women and, and the spaces they need um, and the creativity that, that they're in. So let's say, you know, we get an artist. We have the obviously the NBA 2K connections, Audio Mac, different things. If somebody want to get in music, somebody want to get in the movies. Obviously, I have the Lanier movie coming out. So we can pinpoint people to that in different production companies, things of that nature. So that's kind of what uh, we're doing. Dang, like that's lit. And you talked about it. You're you're an executive producer on a movie about Lake Lanier. Folks in Georgia know all about <laughs> Lake Lanier. All right, man, listen. So what's that been like in being a part of that project? And like, what is that whole experience? You got updates you can give us? When does it drop? Like, I want to know. We actually just finished rapping, filming um, 
last weekend. Um, what? It's going to be a great, great movie. As far as right now, we, we already start the editing process, so I can't give you a direct date on when it's coming out just yet. But just know it will come out around like that fall, Halloweenish end of the year time around that Ooh. time. So, uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really great movie. We all know the history. What we're going to do is shine light a little bit on the history of what really happened at Lake Lanier. And then also it's, it's a scary movie too. So you're going to be on your toes. Oh, uh, we know it's a scary movie. You ain't got you don't have to tell us it's a scary movie. And I like that you guys are going to probably release it on spooky season. The reason I'm asking you about all these different things is because I want people to be able to see how dynamic it is what the things you're doing. These are all current things that you got going on right now. Another thing you got going on is Techie Homes. For people that don't know what that is, let us know what is that and, and what is your involvement? Yeah, so basically it's the first Black-owned tiny community. It just started with an idea. Of course, people didn't believe in the idea at first. They were like, what is this? Whatever. We've crowdfunded the money by ourselves and raised it. And now you just see, it's called um, South Park Cottages. You can go to southparkcottages.com to see everything. High tech, you know, they're tiny homes. They give you million dollar features. So you you don't have to pay six hundred, seven hundred thousand for a house. You can go ahead and get a tiny home, get million dollar features and pay half the price. Like for example, you know, I know condos in Buckhead maybe make go go for three thousand a month. So when I get a home, you can own it, and then you pay half of that price for a home you own, and it's bigger than a condo. So we're gonna start phase two now. And phase two will be in Union City, Georgia, in the South Side. So um, definitely check out for what's coming up uh, with that. This is crazy because I know that if anybody, if y'all seen them tiny home shows, like they do tiny home makeover shows on all the networks like that, those HGTV type of networks. So tiny homes is a real thing. Like people, I've seen it on TV, but now it's kind of crazy that it's coming to life. I need to get in on this tiny home business. Like it seems like something's going on over there, Cuzzo. It's black owned and we did everything ourselves. So we didn't have a bank. So therefore we make our own rules. And that's wow. the beauty of it. And, this, and the fact that it's the first Black-owned tiny home community, that's really, really special. So, yeah, Renee, we got to get you in there, man. <laughs> that's crazy. All right, let's get to the thing. Everybody's probably like, yeah, yeah, whatever. What about the basketball? Let's get to some basketball. Let's get to some basketball, man, because I don't even know if people know this, but we played against each other all the time. Back in the Big East, like back and forth, and even so much so that our NCAA championship game our senior year was against each other, a Big East championship, Louisville versus UConn. Like, what do you remember about your senior year and, like, that game and just, like, what do you remember? Um, besides y'all kicking our butts? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a whole season that happened. You made it to the championship game. We're talking about the Final Four, so you made it to the championship game. Yeah, I remember just um, being able to defy the odds because, you know, going to Louisville wasn't a team that was on the map during that time. Obviously, now they are but during that time that wasn't a team that had never been they had never been past the first round of the tournament when I signed there so to be that far was obviously just one of the best things that happened in the university and then to get to the national championship game that was just awesome and to beat people that nobody expected us to beat we weren't supposed to beat Oklahoma LSU Maryland with Marissa Coleman so I mean, that was just, it was just great memories, great memories to be a part of that. Now, you said Oklahoma. I think that was the group where it was the Paris Twins, Danielle Robinson, LSU. I forget who was on the squad for LSU that year. Uh, Alyssa Hightower was doing that time. Uh, oh, Allison Hightower. Allison Hightower, yeah. Yep. And then uh, you said Marilyn Christy Tolliver. 
Yes. Uh, Marissa Coleman, Crystal Langhorn had gone by that point because she's a year older than us. But I'm talking about these names that y'all are hearing. These are names that people like Daniel Robinson plays on Atlanta right now. So these are names of players that are like were stars in the game. You're talking about Louisville team that nobody knew anybody's name. We didn't have any stars. We just really, really worked hard and tried to outwork people. And it really worked for us. But now the rest is history that Louisville's now, you wouldn't think that during that time, but they're just on the map now. You know, they're up there with the Yukons and the Tennessees and the South Carolinas now. So that's really cool to see that the legacy has lived on. Definitely. I mean, talk about it. Your team had a great run, Van Lith, the whole squad. Like, I mean, you're right, though. To your point, Louisville wasn't necessarily the Louisville people know now. You said your team didn't have no stars. Angel, we're going to get to it, but you were the number one pick in the draft, girl, in my draft. So they did have a star, a superstar, or like you were a mega star then. But, you know, your squad is still kicking. Like, talk about their run. Man, they, they had a great run, you know, because um, they struggled a little bit this season. But to make the lead eight was really, really cool. I just felt like um, it's Caitlin Clark's time. You can just tell it's her time and her, it's her moment to be there. And she's played so well and she deserves it to be there. Obviously, uh, you know, it's going to be tough against South Carolina, but at least, you know, she gets to, to experience the Final Four uh, no matter what happens in the next round. Facts. And so we're talking March Madness, but we're WNBA players, and I don't know if people understand how quick of a turnaround draft day was. So you played in the championship game too, so you can, like, literally know what I'm talking about when you play in the championship game, then you're signing with agents, you're picking, like, what you're going to wear to the draft – what was that time like for you? Did you know you were going to be the number one pick? Like, was it kind of like the people? Yeah, you know what? That's the craziest, most funnest time of your life. And I, I did get the call before that, yeah, Atlanta's probably going to pick you number one. But people don't know during the draft, each team gets two minutes. So if your two minutes go out, the next team gets to come up. So when I'm waiting to hear, the time is dwindling, time is dwindling. And ten, two minutes is almost up. I'm like, did they change their mind? I'm nervous. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Then finally, at like the last 30 seconds, they wound up getting the call through. So I asked them, what what happened? Y'all, I said, I was nervous. They were like, we couldn't get through the call. The, the line kept being busy. They kept trying to call through. I was like, y'all about to lose that spot to Washington. <laughs> what? But I did get um a little bit of the heads up from coach that they were probably going to pick me number one, which is really cool. First of all, that's wild that if the line is busy, I'm going to need y'all to open up the line, the prayer lines. <laughs> what was you we You were there with me then for that rookie orientation do you remember that? Like, I'm going to just be honest. So I'm going to tell you guys, it was hard to stay awake because y'all got to remember, we, like UConn, we had just had the championship parade. We're celebrating. Then I'm getting in a car going to New York and we have the, the presentations going on. It was a long day. Do you remember anything about that time? I think it was just really kind of exhausting, but you go off that adrenaline because you're excited at the same time that everything's going on, but it's just so much you got to do is so much because you're going from one season to the next right away. There is no break in between. So it's definitely facts. <laughs> That's facts. And so just real quick, I think that a lot of people are projecting Aaliyah Boston as the number one pick of the draft. Would you agree that that's probably going to be, would that be your number one pick? I would say that would be my number one pick. If I'm a GM of Indiana, I'm going to go definitely go with Boston. She's obviously a household name. She's marketable. She plays hard. She's a, a player that can help a franchise. So I would definitely go with Boston. Boom. And speaking of that, players like, I think Boston had made it to camp at a certain point. You went to USA basketball camp. It was held in Minnesota recently. You let everyone know that you're healthy, that you're back. What were the vibes like? What did it feel like to be back on the court? How's your body feeling? Like all of it. Well, I remember during that time, that was uh, last year or something like that. Um, 
And I remember telling Boston, how do you feel? She said, you know, I'm a, I'm a little gas. She's like, this, this place is a little different, very fast than what I'm used to. I said, all you got to do is keep going and you just get used to it. I said, get used to it now. So then when you come to the league, you will know what it's about. So this is good that you're here now. So that was good. And then this last training camp really, really played well. I really um, showed that my, my, my knees are healthy. I was athletic, quick. I look really, really good. So I am waiting for that call. Somebody call me now. I'm here. <laughs> Got it. I'm, I'm energetic. I'm like I'm 25 again. So I'm waiting uh, and I'm excited to get back on that court. It's been a while. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to just get in the hardwood, sweat, feel the fans, help a team, and just bring that veteran leader a team like me. You know, it's interesting because I was just recently talking to DeMarcus Cousins, and then I was talking to Isaiah Thomas, and then I was talking to one other person um, about the just the idea of athletes that are ready to go. All of those players, DeMarcus Cousins said it on the broadcast. He was like, look, I'm ready to go right now. If an NBA team needs a big man, he said the same thing too. A veteran, Isaiah Thomas. We remember Isaiah Thomas had that magical run with the Celtics. Players are talking about that veteran leadership. For fans that might not understand what Udonis Haslam has done in the past for the Miami Heat and different players of that nature, I know you still, like you said, got gas in the tank. You ready to still play too, but what is veteran leadership to a team? Like how important, like, can you explain like the importance of that? Yeah, I think a good championship team doesn't have all vets or doesn't have all young players. There's a mix of both. It's a perfect balance. you got to have both to be a championship team. And I think what that veteran does, a veteran is not worried about, oh, how many minutes I'm getting on the court or they're not worried about, I got to score 20. Been there, done that. Everybody knows what I've done. You know, that's how we vets think. You know, let the young ones get theirs. You know what I'm saying? And you still contribute and still help win. But I think it's more so, too, of, of the leadership during the adversity because there will be adversity. And I, I think, so who's that voice in the locker room, right? When, when things get heated or get tough, you have that calm for the storm. And I think that's what a vet brings. And I think that's what Haslam brings. Like, you know, people complain, oh, why is he still there, retired? But maybe they need him for just the locker room. And if that's what the team needs, that's what they need. And people don't see through that part. No, I mean, like, look, you was preaching to us for a second. I like that because it's true, though. I mean, anybody that's on a team knows the importance of a glue player that might not get a lot of stats, the importance of a vet on a team that calms the locker room down. Speaking of that, like, so what was it like? Like, we played together. What kind of teammate am I? I'm just going, like, it's... No, you, you're a great teammate. I think you're a great uh, point guard, a great leader for us, especially um, I loved how during adversity you huddled us in. And it really gave us a, a good talk to bring us back. That was really, really needed, especially uh, for me, because I needed that person that knew how to pull me in and, and sometimes calm me down when I'm, I'm heated because we all get heated in the, in the moment and you're passionate about the game. So I think you were that player that knew how to just kind of grab my dress. Hey, I need you to do this, 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 or cut here or do that. <laughs> that's what a real point guard does. That's what a real leader does. So I would say overall, you are a great teammate, great leader. And you really were, I would say you were like a glue player that kept everybody together. I appreciate that. I think that might be the first time I was called a glue player, not in the sense of like, most people just call me a point guard, but people don't usually equate point guards with glue players, even though your point guard pretty much better be a type of glue player to keep the team together. You really kept us, you really glued us together and kept us in, in a lot of moments because there was diversity and you really was like that, that glue player. But of course, being a point guard and a leader as well. But for Atlanta, you were that for us. And that's what was missing. And that's what we needed. It's funny you say that because we did, we, we putting it lightly where we had some adversity going on, y'all. Like for us to have the run we did, <laughs> it's unbelievable how we put it together on the court. But that's the thing. Like people don't understand that 
there is going to be friction and that's normal in sports. But now that there's phones and cameras everywhere and you see every argument that every teammate has, it's like a whole like it's like I've seen plenty of teammates argue like it's no big deal. But like now it'll get yeah, you need a little bit of it because it's just like this in life. Like if you have a partner, you're in a relationship, y'all don't argue a little bit. You you don't have growth in the relationship, right? It's like, oh my gosh, Serena's going to be like probably jumping up and down right now because I tell her I would love to never argue. It gives you the growth. You know, if it's always just like this, you got to get uncomfortable to grow. No, I know you guys are right. Like, hello, shrinking. <laughs> I know you guys are right. Um, oh, that reminded me of speaking of Serena. I want to get this here live on while we're recording. You were with me sitting courtside at the Hawks game, right? When I met Serena Grace, my now wife, right? <laughs> now, I just had Darius Slay on the pod two weeks ago, and he didn't even know that I met Serena that day. So whenever I... <laughs> I what? I don't understand. I know. So, Cuzzo, please, so that people don't think that I be making this story up. Did I look over at Serena and then what did I say to you? <laughs> I think you were just like fabricated. You was just like in amazement. When we were at the game, we were front row and she has sung the national anthem. So I'm just like, oh, she's a great singer. But you were like, you know what I'm yeah. You said that. You said to me that I was like, that's my wife. <laughs> that's the line that I needed you to say. Yes, I, people don't. I was like, yeah, I, I, I was like looking at you like you're crazy because I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, she just started out with me. That's your wife. Well, guess what? <laughs> I was the one crazy for looking at you crazy for saying that. <laughs> Let's go. I be telling people it's the wildest story ever because people, the fact that I was sitting beside you and Darius Slay. First of all, that was wild because we all we didn't all come together to the game. Like it wasn't like a we linked up all and drove to the game together. Then the fact that she was singing, by the way, her birthday is tomorrow, and she's singing oh. the national anthem at the Hawks game for a, for a Spanish Heritage Night. Oh. Y'all need to collab on a song now that I thought about that. That's just a, a side note. We're we getting that done. That's done. Okay, so but can you believe uh, like how life so happened that now she is my real life, actual wife. It's like when a person knows they know, you know what I mean? And, and you knew. And even though I was looking at you with the side, I'm like, girl, you all right? <laughs> you just know. And I think that, you know, it's a feeling that you know on the inside that nobody else can ever know. How, how could I know how you feel like you just knew? That's what's crazy because it's like, I be seeing the movies like, like y'all, it's so weird because it's like, I'm not even really like, well, you knew me before I met Serena. I'm not really the like fall in love type like that. I don't know how else to put I know it. I'm living. I'm having a good time. I'm living my best life. I was living my best life. And I think that when you just meet the one, they can just put a halt on anything. It's crazy. Like when you fall in love, it just your world stops. And um, that's what happened. You had literally like fell in love at first sight. Like you taught me that that is real because I wasn't sure if that really existed. <laughs> me neither. Right? And you taught me there is love at first sight, and you found that, and I was just. I was just like, what? But now I'm like, wow. Like, I'm amazed to see, like, you really just knew. Uh, okay, because I'm so glad that I have this recorded now forever in time because people be thinking that it's wild that even, too, that we just walked up and started talking to them. Like, because, you know, now with the social media age, people be like, you really just walked up? But, yeah, so that's, like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, we really did that. But I'm happy that you were there, Cuzzo, because the vibes, the energy was right going up there. The last thing, final four predictions. On the men's side, who you got? We have... 
San Diego State is going against Florida Atlantic University. And then on the other side of the bracket, UConn's going against Miami. Who you got in the championship? Who you got winning? I have San Diego State versus, I'm sorry, Renee, I'm going to go Miami. <laughs> well, I'm glad UConn is back because I know they had a long journey getting back from them Calhoun days, you know what I'm saying? Because so, during our era, they was always there. Like, during our era, we played. Yeah, they was legit. You know, they had a little bit of a little break getting coaches together. But, um, you know, I'm glad they're back. But I, I hope they prove me wrong. I, I do have Miami, though. On the women's side, I'm going to go with South Carolina. Yeah. And LSU and who? Just so y'all know, we're recording this on Monday, and the games haven't happened yet for the other side. But it's Maryland playing against South Carolina. So you got South Carolina winning that game. And then Virginia Tech versus Ohio State. I'm going to do um, Virginia Tech. LSU on Iowa. I'm going to go with LSU. Oh, so you got the, uh, what do they call her? The Bayou Barbie, uh, Angel Reese, who just recently set a record for the SEC in double doubles. Come on now. Angel Reese is from Baltimore like me. She went to my high school like me. That's my little baby. What? All right. So first of all, then you are the perfect person to ask because a lot of people, she said that, you know, she's from Baltimore. This is what we do. We talk trash. A lot of people had, you know, were making comments about how she played the game and how she talked trash during the game. But you're from the same place she is. So talk to us. Like, what's that? Well, this is the thing, Renee. During my era, our era, uh -huh. that wasn't common. So you get labeled as, oh, she's uncoachable. She got a bad attitude. No, this is how we play. Yeah, we from Baltimore. We talk trash. That's how we grew up. We play. We play passionate. We give it our all. We don't care. And that's how she plays. But in her era, she gets to enjoy it a little better than in our era. I'm glad of that, though. And, hey, it goes viral. It goes viral now, playing like that. You know, so I'm just glad we're at a point where women's basketball doesn't have to be like, oh, she's not so much. She can't be like that because the men do it. Let the girls play like that, too. Big lit, man. I'm going to leave it on that, man. Listen, the EP Evolution is out right now on Audio Mac. Cuzzo, man, you're killing it. Like, I mean, I know that you said you still got some left in the tank, so I know you still have that. But on the other side of things, too, that future is bright. So I'm happy, Cuzzo. I'm happy for you, man. Thank you for joining me here. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate y'all. All right. So, man, it's crazy to just chop it up with people that you just have pretty much seen grow up like we grew up together it's crazy like we came into the WNBA together class of 2009 she was the number one pick in the draft I was the number four pick in the draft she came in went to the team Atlanta Dream I'm now the co-owner and vice president of the Atlanta Dream you can't tell me life isn't crazy. We went to one NBA game that season, the Atlanta Hawks game. And that one game we went to that season is the game that I met and fell in love at first sight to my wife, Serena Grace. You can't tell me life is crazy and sports connected at all. I'll see you next week where it's a generational thing here at MoCo.